I'm excited to dive into the word with you. Last week, we, we finished chapter two of the book of 2 Thessalonians. And, and what we do in this church and what we attempt to do every week is based on the premise that <clears throat> I don't have anything worth saying to you, but what God has to say is of infinite value. And so what we attempt to do every week is go verse by verse and just say, what does God say? Not even try to necessarily always dissect, what do you think God meant by that? Let's start first with, what did God actually say? And so that's what, that's what we're going to, we, we try to do that every week. We're planning to do that again this morning. Last week, again, we, vin- we, we finished chapter 2 of the book of Second Thessalonians in our verse-by-verse study of this book. And, and we saw last week that as believers in Jesus Christ, according to Second Thessalonians 2.15, we've been called to stand fast, or we've been called to stand firm and, and to not fall. And we, we compared scripture with scripture, and we found other places in the Bible that talk about this exact same concept. We, we, we found that as we compared scripture with scripture, we saw that we're also to stand specifically against the devil's attacks, and, and we're to, to stand in the faith or stand in the Lord. We're to, we're to stand together in in liberty and we're to stand in unity and and while we're standing we found that we've been called to hold on to the truth of God's word we it's a lot easier to stay standing and not fall when you're actually holding on to something interestingly enough and and what we're to hold on to is the truth of God's word we're to we're to hold on to sound doctrine and and we also spent some time then looking at 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 who God is and we saw who he was as it's laid out in this passage as, as Lord and, and as God, of course, and as our Father. And, and as our Lord, God, and Father, he's, he's given believers eternal and everlasting hope because we know that no matter what comes our way in this life, we know what's waiting for us in the next life. And knowing that should be a comfort to us, it should allow us to be able to focus our lives on being established in every good word and every good work. We don't have to worry about what the future holds or our eternal destiny. No, that's, that's secure. We can focus on proclaiming the truth of the good word and living lives filled with good works. And so that's where we com- concluded chapter 2 last week. And so we'll begin chapter 3 this morning, but... But before we even dive into this chapter, I, what I, I want to ask you to, to do something for me. And, and what I want to ask you to do is, is, I want you right now, I want you to think about what are the top prayer requests in your life right now? What are those things? It probably doesn't take you that long to, to come up with them, because if you pray often, they're probably the recurring thing that you bring before the Lord regularly. But as we continue, I want you to think about that for a second, and we're going to circle back around to that. But, but throughout our time studying the books of First and Second Thessalonians, this, this thing of prayer, man, it's actually come up quite a bit. And, and, and we've seen that Paul, Silas, and Timothy, the authors of these letters, they, in, of these books, they express what their prayers are in multiple places throughout these two letters. And and what we're about to do is look at most of these places and just see what it is that they're praying about. And as we do that, I I want us to look at their prayers that are recorded for us in these epistles. I want us to look at them through the lens of the only two things on this planet that will last forever, which I know that that most of you guys are, are, are familiar with. The only two things that will last forever are the word of God and the souls of men, right? The word of God will last forever and people's souls will live eternally somewhere. And, and so here's what Paul, Silas, and Timothy's prayers have looked like throughout the course of these two letters. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, they gave thanks for the church of the Thessalonians and, and how they were growing and and that they had, and they were thankful that they had become believers in Jesus Christ. Okay, so right from the rip, we see they prayed and gave thanks for the way the word of God had impacted the souls of men. 
1 Thessalonians 2.13. They thanked God without ceasing that they had received the word of God, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. So again, we see that they prayed and gave thanks for the way the word of the Lord was received by the souls of men. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. They were praying exceedingly night and day that they would see the faith of the Thessalonians and they would perfect what was lacking in their faith. They prayed that the Thessalonians, that they would increase and abound towards each other and towards all people in, in, in love and that their hearts would be established and, and it would be established as unblameable in holiness. So again, they prayed about being able to invest the word of God into the souls of men and for their spiritual growth. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, they prayed that the spirit, soul, and body of the Thessalonians would pre be preserved blameless until the Lord's return. This, of course, only being possible by adherence to the word of God. So again, they prayed about the word of God impacting the souls of men. In 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we saw a few weeks ago, they, they're always thanking God that the, about the Thessalonians' faith and charity and how it had grown the way that it had. It grew in an unbelievable way. And of course, that again, only being possible by adherence to the word of God. So we see they prayed about and thanked God for the word of God's impact on the souls of men. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12, it says they're always praying that the Thessalonians would be counted worthy of their calling and they would fulfill all the good pleasure of God's goodness and the work of faith with power and that Jesus' name would be glorified in them. And, and again, they're continuing to pray for God's word to impact the souls of men. And we just saw a few weeks ago in 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14, they thanked God for the Thessalonians' salvation and over and over and over again. Every time they pray, it's the same thing. And I think you're, you've picked up on the theme already. Every single time, we just looked at seven times that it's explicitly recorded for us in these two books that these guys prayed. Every time they're praying for the eternal, every time they're praying about or thanking God for the word of God impacting the souls of men. And as we begin chapter three of Second Thessalonians, what we're going to see is, is that after all these instances of watching Paul, Silas and Timothy, after all these instances of of seeing them pray and seeing what they're praying about, seeing what they're praying for for the first time. They're going to give the Thessalonians two specific things to be praying for them about. We know they've been, man, they've been praying for the Thessalonians like crazy. And we see clearly what the theme of that is. But now we're actually going to get two specific things that they're going to finally ask for something. And so first we're going to see they requested prayer for the word of the Lord to have free course and be glorified. They requested prayer for the word of the Lord to have free course and be glorified. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and verse 25, they tell the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing, and they do ask for prayers there. But this is the first time in the two letters that Paul, Silas, and Timothy get specific with what it is that they actually want prayer for, what they actually want the Thessalonians to pray for them about. And what I want us to focus on as we're about to, to read this verse, first of all, I want us to focus on the nature of the prayer request. The nature of the prayer request. Here's, again, the, the first prayer request that we, that we see, we find it in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. And it says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. And, and so it should come as no surprise, with based on what we've already seen this morning, it should come as no surprise that the first prayer request out of their mouth, guess what it has to do with? It has to do with the word of God having free course 
and being glorified in the souls of men. It should come as no surprise that this prayer request that they're asking for, of all the things they could ask for, this prayer request is eternal in nature. And and it's important to note that there were plenty of other things that Paul, Silas, and Timothy could have requested prayer for, right? I mean, keep in mind, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, these are regular people just like you and me. These are, these are not some people that were gifted with some sort of, of supernatural, super-Christian abilities. When God saved them, they didn't get more of the Holy Spirit inside of them than we got. So these brothers, man, they were, they were certainly not wealthy by any means. Man, they could have asked for prayers that God could continue to sustain them financially. That doesn't seem out of bounds to me especially with all this traveling from city to city that they're doing. Man, you could imagine food even could become a concern. Man, we're headed off to who knows where, don't have a whole lot of money. I, I, hope, I hope we're going to find some bread somewhere. How about the fact that it appears that all these dudes were single? <laughs> Which I think it'd be a very reasonable request. Would you ask God to send us a godly wife in one of these cities for goodness sake? Right. That man, that that seems that seems pretty, pretty reasonable, man. It's it's lonely out here and I'm stuck with these two dudes all the time. Man, Could, please, I would love if I could just have, you know, some female companionship at some point in my life. But no, they don't they don't ask for anything like that, do they? After all the ways that they've prayed for and ministered to the Thessalonians, they're finally going to give them some specific prayer requests for them. Okay, they should be on the edge of their seat. As much as Paul, Silas, and Timothy had done for them and prayed for them and ministered to them, man, they should be on the edge of their seats to jump on whatever this is. And the first thing out of their mouth is, oh, would you be sure to pray for us that the word of the Lord would have free course and be glorified through our lives? That's what our heart's desire is. That's all we can think about. And I wanted to be sure that we we saw this because for many, this this theme that we've been witnessing of the eternal nature of these prayers is something that is completely absent from prayers in modern-day Christianity. And so I asked you earlier to think about the top few prayers in your life so that you could really evaluate how much of your prayer life is eternal in nature. And I'm not trying to guilt trip you if you have prayers in your life that are temporal in nature, but I do think it's important that we evaluate how much of your prayer life is spent asking God and thanking God for things that are eternal. How much of our time with God has to do with money jobs, health, and just overall circumstances playing out in our favor, and how much has to do with praying for the soul of the unbeliever at work? How much has to do with prayer for someone that you're discipling and investing in? How much has to do with prayer that God's word would have free course and be glorified through you in the lives of individuals that you are proactively trying to reach? And again, I'm not trying to guilt trip you if there are weighty things in your life that you bring before him that are temporal in nature. I'm not. But I am trying to bring your attention to the lack of attention and priority there is in many of our lives for prayers that are for the word of God to have free course and be glorified in the souls of men through our lives. Because though we are free to talk about talk to God about anything and he wants to hear about it the prayers that we've seen modeled for us it's hard not to notice where they all come back to i almost bored you to death with the first seven things just to make the point it's all eternal it shows us what matters to us by what the content of our prayers are you want to know where someone's heart's at you could quickly tell if you knew how they prayed what we consistently find ourselves praying for, not to mention how we spend our money, tell the tale of where our hearts are. Because we pray about what we care about. And Jesus said, where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. You, 
You just can't get, a, you can't get around it. So with that in mind, where's your heart this morning? Man, maybe, maybe some of you haven't been praying much to begin with, and that is a whole other problem in and of itself. But, but you can rest assured if that's the case and prayer isn't even a consistent part of your life, your heart certainly isn't concerned with the eternal, or of course you'd talk to God about it. We, so again, wh- where's your heart at? What's your prayer life like? And those two are actually the same question. <laughs> do you have a heart for the eternal? Do you, do you have a heart that cries out to God to be used in the life of someone else so that the word of God has free course and is glorified? That's what Paul, Silas, and Timothy show us in their lives over and over again, and they're making it abundantly clear that that's what matters in life. Everything else we're going to light a match to, and it's gone. What matters is that our lives are focused on the only two things in this world that are eternal, the Word of God and the souls of men, and so we focus our lives on investing the Word of God into the souls of men. Listen, that's what it's all about, y'all. So that's the eternal nature of Paul, Silas, and Timothy's prayer request. Now I want us to see the model of the prayer request. Let her be the, the model of the prayer request. Look again at 2 Thessalonians 3.1. It says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. And here it is. Even as it is with you. So who was it that modeled what it looked like for the word of the Lord to have free course and be glorified? It was the church of the Thessalonians, even as it is with you. If you want to know what it really looks like for the word of God to have free course and be glorified and actually see that a little more vividly, we don't have to look any further than the Thessalonians. But, but before we look at how it was modeled through the Thessalonians, first let's just make sure we really understand what the word of the Lord having free course and being glorified means. I, it, what, what were they really praying for? I, I, I get that we have a working knowledge of, of this phrase because it's somewhat self-explanatory. And obviously we've just talked about the fact that it's eternal in nature, so you've got that. But, but just to make sure we're fully grasping, and I do think there are a couple things worth pointing out one of those things is that the word that our king james translators translated as free course is used 20 times in the new testament and every other time it's used they translated it as some variation of the word run they so if the word has free course that means it can freely run its course uninhibited It's uninhibited by anything else or anyone else, and it can move at a fast pace. Paul, Silas, and Timothy's desire and and passion of their hearts and their priority when it came to their prayer request was that as they continued to proclaim the word of God to the world, that it would continue to go forth rapidly and it would be unimpeded. And their prayer was also that that the word would be glorified. In other words... It would be glorified, it would be honored by those that heard it and by them hearing it and receiving it. That's how it's glorified. And again, Paul, Silas, and Timothy say, we want the word of the Lord to have free course and be glorified. And if you want to better understand what we mean and see what that looks like more specifically, we're talking about exactly what happened when we came and proclaimed the word of the Lord to you guys even as it is with you. Okay, well then let's see what it is, how it was then that, that, that this shook out in the church of the Thessalonians. How did this shake out specifically then? Back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The word of the Lord, it, it, it had free course. It was glorified in the lives of the Thessalonians. And this verse says that that word of the Lord or, or the gospel, it didn't come in word only, but it came in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And listen, that's a great description of what it looks like when the word of God has free course and is glorified. 
When the word has free course and it can run unobstructed from anything, that's what it looks like. It's powerful because the power of the Holy Ghost is involved. And, and those that receive it, they're left with no doubt of the truth of what they've heard. They believe and they receive it with much assurance. But as we look at what the word having free course and being glorified looks like, I want to make sure we take a second to see what one of the key contributing factors to that was that we see in this verse that I at least have to side note you on. Because the word didn't have free course simply because God arbitrarily decided, I think I'm going to do a work in Thessalonica today. That wasn't, that wasn't how he did it. He could have done that, but that's not what he did. One of the contributing factors were the lives that Paul, Silas, and Timothy lived in front of the Thessalonians. The word was able to freely run and accomplish its purpose. And part of the reason was because the gospel was presented from the backdrop of a holy life. They weren't looking at their life and, and that wasn't obstructing the word that they heard. We talked about this some last week. Last week, we, we saw from 2 Thessalonians 2.17 that we need to be established in every good word and every good work. And we talked about how, man, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of believers, they, they say the right things, they're even bold when they, when they proclaim the gospel. But when you get a little closer, their words say one thing, but their works say another. And then there's another group of people, and they do the right things, and they live holy lives, man. They, but man, when you get a little bit closer, their lives say one thing, and their mouths don't say anything. <laughs> and they don't share the gospel on any type of a regular basis. And, and I remind you of what we learned last week from the previous verse, the, the last verse of chapter 2, because if we're going to begin to make this prayer for the for the word of the Lord to have free course and to be glorified through our lives. If we're going to make that prayer the priority of our life, and if we're going we're to make the priority of our life the eternal in this passionate pursuit of our lives, it doesn't make much sense for us to pray for that if our lives are not established in every good word and every good work. Because in order for the word of the Lord to have free course, someone has to open their mouth to proclaim that good word. And the good word should be spoken from the backdrop of a life that's characterized by good works. Like we just saw, the manner of men that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were was the cause of the power of the Holy Ghost being unleashed and the message of the gospel being received with confidence and much assurance. See, it doesn't make sense for us to pray for the word to have free course and be glorified if we're not established in every good word and work and we're not willing to open our mouths and we're not willing to live holy lives. God's design was always for us to proclaim the truth of the word of God from the backdrop of a holy life. We see this same sentiment in 2 Timothy 2.21. says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. See, listen, there's a, there's a purging, there's a, there's a cleansing that goes on and it prepares us to be ready to do every good work so we can be established in every good work. The master uses clean vessels and that's what Paul, Silas, and Timothy were. And it's vital we understand and apply that. But, but what I'm wanting to, to primarily make sure you see is, is that when Paul, Silas, and Timothy request prayer for the word to have free course and to be glorified, just like it was with the Thessalonians, that's what it looks like. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are making a request for the word to continue to be proclaimed in power and, and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as they go on and they minister to other cities. There's a lot of things they could have requested prayer for. But that's what they're consumed with. That's what they were passionate about. And that should be the prayer that we're consumed with and that we're passionate about as well. But there's another verse that gives us more detail as to 
what it specifically looked like when the word of the Lord came to the Thessalonians and had free course and is, and is glorified. And it comes out of 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Here's how it looked when the word had free course like that. When it, 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 it looked like this. We've seen this this morning and in past weeks, but look at it with me. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, Ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Listen, the word of God, the the word freely got to them and it was unimpeded despite efforts to harm Paul, Silas and Timothy. The word got to them freely. It ran its course in their lives and they got saved. The word of the Lord was glorified because they received it. Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And that's what it looks like for the word of the Lord to have free course and be glorified. It means that the word can freely run its course to accomplish God's purposes. And when the word of the Lord has has free course through our proclamations of the gospel, it looks the same way because you know what happens? We tell someone the truth of the gospel We tell them that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ, He came to this planet as God in human flesh, and He is that Savior. And and He paid our penalty for sin, and He died our death on that cross, and now we have access to forgiveness of sins, and we have access to eternal life through faith in Jesus' work on the cross. We tell them that message, and in order for them to respond in faith and to be saved, They ultimately are going to have to believe that the word that you're telling them is not the word of men, but they need to hear it for what it truly is in truth, the word of God. And that gospel then goes forth and it has free course and, and it's glorified and the recipient of the gospel believes what you're telling them. They believe it isn't some man-made nonsense, and they receive it as it is in truth, the word of God. And by faith, they call on Jesus' name to be saved. And when Paul, Silas, and Timothy ask for prayers for the word of the Lord to have free course and to be glorified, that's what they're praying for, and that's what we're to be praying for. (laughs) But you see, what I want to make sure that that we understand is that the word of the Lord, it, it didn't stop having free course and being glorified once the Thessalonians got saved. You understand that? It continued to have free course and be glorified as Paul, Silas, and Timothy ministered to them because the Thessalonians didn't just pocket the gift of salvation and go back to their normal lives, did they? That's not what happened at all. No, everything was different moving forward. They went from idol worshipers to evangelists. 1 Thessalonians 1.8 says, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we we need not to speak anything. Listen, the Thessalonians, man, they may not have known much. They may not have had uh, uh, this deep knowledge of all all the deep things of God. We've seen in recent weeks that they were actually struggling very much with their end time theology. They may not have had it all down perfectly, but there's something they knew for sure right from the get-go. They knew the gospel. (laughs) They knew that in order to be saved, they had to know that in order to be saved. And they knew that now that they were recipients of that gospel, they've been entrusted with the privilege and the responsibility to spread that message to other people. And that's exactly what they did. The word of the Lord, it continued to have free course and be glorified because they didn't pocket their salvation and go back to living for themselves. No, they received it and understood that now they're ambassadors for Christ. That's why the end of our verse in 2 Thessalonians 3.1 says, listen, even as it is with you, not even as it was with you, in other words, The word of the Lord didn't just have free course and be glorified in the past when the Thessalonians got saved. If it was just that, if if it was just when they got saved, then it would read like it was with you as in past tense. But again, even as it 
is with you, which gives us a very important detail. And it's that this prayer for the word of the Lord to have free course and be glorified that we're learning from this morning isn't simply a prayer for those things to be a reality in salvation. It goes beyond that. You see, the way we tend to view the word having free course is we limit it to simply the gospel. We limit it to salvation. But the word having free course and being glorified isn't just accomplished through salvation. It's accomplished through the ongoing process of establishing and equipping people in the faith. And that's exactly what's happening with the Thessalonians. The word of the Lord, it continued to have free course and be glorified all the way to the extent that 2 Thessalonians 1.3 says that we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly in the charity of every one of you all toward each other. It aboundeth. Listen, they were already strong and they continued to grow. That's what happened. The word of the Lord continued to have free course and be glorified as they not only became evangelists, but they grew and they were established in good works. And this is so important because, listen, we live in a world that is filled with spiritual orphans everywhere. Spiritual orphans everywhere. We live in a world filled with people, people who many times are truly saved. But when they got saved and they were born again and they became a new creature and they were a baby in Christ, nobody ever raised them. And listen, that's not what Paul, Silas, and Timothy model for us here. They aren't simply requesting prayer for the word to have free course and be glorified so that souls are saved. No, but so that those that are saved will continue to grow as they're trained so that the word will continue to have free course and be glorified through them. They didn't just reach the Thessalonians with the gospel and then that's it. All right, on to the next cities. Okay, word had free course and was glorified. Now let's move on. No, the book of First and Second Thessalonians exists because Paul, Silas, and Timothy couldn't move on. <laughs> they had to get the Thessalonians established in the faith. That was part of it. That was part of it. And listen, as we make this a prayer, the prayer of our lives, that's what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like believers in Jesus Christ that are established in every good word, in every good work, sharing the word of the Lord and that word of the Lord having free course and being glorified as it's received by people to be saved. And that word of, Lord, of the Lord continues to have free course as those new believers are established in every new good word, in every good word, in every good work. And somewhere along the way, if the word of the Lord having free course and being glorified in our lives doesn't become an all-consuming passion in our lives, I'm just telling you, it's just not going to happen. It, 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 it's, just, it's just not going to happen. Is praying for God's word to have free course and be glorified through your life, is that something that you can sincerely pray to God this morning? Is it something that you can passionately come before God with as you look for opportunity each day and pursue opportunity each day to share God's word and shine God's light to people? If you can't do that from a heart that sincerely and genuinely desires that, listen, Will you ask God to change your heart? Will you ask God to stir inside of you a passion for what he's passionate about? So that's the first prayer request that we see from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. But they have another request, and, and it's important for us to understand this request as well. And here's their other prayer request. They requested prayer for deliverance from unreasonable and wicked men. They requested prayer for deliverance from unreasonable and wicked men. We see this in 2 Thessalonians 3.2, which says, <clears throat> And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. And listen, certainly throughout Paul, Silas, and Timothy's experiences in their life, 
they understood the reality that there were plenty of men out there without faith or that were unbelievers that were very unreasonable and wicked to the point that they wanted to physically harm them and kill them. I mean, the reason the two letters of First and Second Thessalonians exist is because as we see in Acts 17, 5, they were fleeing persecution from unreasonable and wicked men that are referred to here as lewd fellows of the baser sort. It's been a couple months since I've, since I've, <laughs> the lewd fellow is clearing his throat over there. They had lewd fellows of the baser sort. We have a lewd fellow that sort of plays the bass. So that's the, the <laughs> <you can laughs> at least. I, as long as we're in Second Thessalonians, at least every couple months, I got to pull that one back out of the vault. I'm sorry. The <laughs> and so they're asking for prayer that they would be delivered from people like that, the people that ran them out of town. But in order for us to fully understand this prayer request, there is something we need to understand. We need to understand letter A, the motive behind the prayer request. We need to understand the motive behind the prayer request because. At a glance, if we were to just look at this at a glance, it looks like they did the exact opposite of what I've been showing you all morning that they consistently did, which was make prayer requests for things that are eternal in nature. At a, gl at a glance, it, it looks like they're asking for prayer that God would spare their lives, and they are, but I want us to consider what's really at the heart of that prayer request. I mean, most people, even believers, fear death on some level. So, so would that really be the, the worst thing if they prayed to not be beaten and killed for the simple reason that they just don't want to be beaten and killed? Like that, 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 seems, that seems pretty reasonable to me. But, but is that actually the motivation behind the prayer request? I want us to consider that because as far as I'm concerned, the answer is no, that's actually not the reason. <laughs> You see, the reason they're asking to be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men is so that, as verse 1 says, so the word of God can continue to have free course and be glorified through their lives and be spread to other places. One of the reasons that we know this is because we see Paul express his heart concerning the way he feels about his own life in Acts 20, verse 22. Here's what it, here's what it says. And now, behold... I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul's life wasn't dear to him, y'all. What was dear to him was that he'd minister and testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that he'd finish his course. The prayer requests that we're seeing in the first two verses of chapter 3 are that Paul, Silas, and Timothy would finish their course as the word of the Lord has free course. The motive behind these prayers, it wasn't to save their own hide, it was to further the gospel. And again, I'm not saying they would be wrong to ask God to save them from torture and death. I'm just saying that's not what they're doing. And that's not what they model for us concerning prayer. But we can come to God with anything and everything, and he wants us to. We should always know that, right? In fact, the Bible teaches us in Philippians 4, 6, that with thanksgiving, we should let our requests be made known unto God. He Listen, he wants to hear from us about everything. And he doesn't just want to hear from us and then yawn and roll his eyes while we tell him all about it. No, First Peter 5, 7 says he truly cares. We're to cast our care upon him for he careth for you. Hebrews 4.15 says he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's touched and he feels what we feel. He truly cares. So we should feel free to go to God with everything. But at the same time, as we do that, based on what we've been seeing this morning, we need to still evaluate where our heart's at in the midst of that. 
based on the content of our prayers are temporal things, the all-consuming passion of our lives, or are eternal things, the all-consuming passion of our lives. So in order to understand verse 2, we need to understand that that's the motive behind the prayer request. And then next, I want us to see the, the insight from the prayer request. There, there's some insight that, we're, that we gain from this prayer request that's very interesting. You see, there's a, there's a principle that we're able to glean that's important that we apply it to our lives, and, it, and it's that the word of the Lord having free course in our lives, listen, the word of the Lord having free course in our lives and problems go hand in hand. They ask for prayer for the word to have free course and be glorified, and they immediately ask to be delivered from the opposition that is inevitably going to come if the word has free course. You see, you can have problems without the word of the Lord having free course and being glorified through your life. But the word of the Lord can't have free course and be glorified through your life without problems. You're going to have problems and you're going to have adversity of varying degrees. Because when God's at work, you better believe Satan is at work too. We see examples of this all through the Bible. Check this out. Acts chapter 6, verses beginning in verse 7. Here's what it says. God makes it so plain. He says, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. In other words, the word of the Lord had free course and was glorified. And there weren't just converts multiplied. There were disciples multiplied. And what happened as a result of that? Look at, skip to verse 11. Then they suburned men, or they, or they gathered men and colluded together to speak lies. That's what the suburned means which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. They're talking about Stephen. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. And they set up false witnesses, which said, this man ceaseth not, seashells, seashells, he, she shells, seashells. <laughs> See where I'm going with this. <laughs> ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against his whole, this holy place in the law. And of course, as you know, they ultimately stoned Stephen, right? And do you see what happened? The word of the Lord was having free course. Wow. In, in, it, it's having free course and being glorified. And it cost something, didn't it? There was a price to pay for that. There's another place in Acts 13, 49. Check it out. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region, or the word of the Lord had free course. Verse 50, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. When God's at work, Satan's going to be countering that work. When the, work, when, the, when the word of the Lord had free course, wouldn't you know it? Here come the problems. Here come the persecutions. And here comes the attacks from the enemy. Anytime the word of the Lord has free course through our lives or through this church, you better believe there's going to be opposition that comes against us. In Acts 19, verse 20, we see the same thing. It says, in, starting in verse 20, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. What a way to say it. So again, the word of God, it has free course and, and it's glorified. Man, what a wonderful thing that had to be incredible to be a part of something like that. Can you imagine being a part of something that can be described as the word of God mightily growing and prevailing? That has to be, oh my goodness, the excitement has to be off the charts. That's what I want to be a part of. But in the midst of that excitement, we better get ready for verse 23. In the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. <laughs> in other words, there was essentially a riot that was breaking out as a result of the word of the Lord having free course and being glorified. And are you seeing the obvious trend? In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, 
Paul, he's in Ephesus, and he's writing to the church at Corinth from Ephesus, and he says, I really want to see you guys, but I can't right now because a great door and effectual is opened unto me. Here it is. And there are many adversaries. <laughs> the word of the Lord is having free course in Ephesus because a great door was opened for him. And the word of the Lord was glorified or that, that door was effectual. It was having an effect. It was powerful. And there are many adversaries. <laughs> it just goes hand in hand. Doors open. The word of the Lord has free course through our lives and through our church adversaries will come opposition will come and problems will come so listen it's important that we know that it's important to have proper expectations if your heart's desire is that the word of the lord would have free course and be glorified through your life and that's the passion of your life which is what god has called us to if that's the passion of your life you need to just go ahead and prepare for the fact that there will be a cost associated with that the opposite of what we tend to think actually we tend to think that adversaries and opposition and problems are a sign from god that we must be doing the wrong thing when in actuality biblically adversaries opposition and problems go hand in hand with open doors and god's word having free course through our lives i'm not saying god doesn't do things to close doors i'm not i'm not i'm not saying anything I'm not saying anything like that. He most definitely does. And I'm, I'm not even saying that, that we don't have problems because of our own free will choices. We, we certainly have problems from that. But, but we need to understand that just because we're out there getting beat up, literally or figuratively, as we minister and proclaim God's word, that doesn't mean that God's hand isn't on it. <laughs> We need to be prepared that every time the word has free course, the opposition and the problems are going to come out of the woodwork. Those two things are inextricably connected. You just can't be a part of God's work without opposition. Are you okay with that? Do you still want to be a part of God's work? Does that change your desire for the word of the Lord to have free course and be glorified through your life? If there's a cost associated with it, is it still worth it to you? Listen, don't pack up. If there's a cost... <laughs> I hear the rustling around. If there's a cost associated with it, is it still worth it to you? Listen, for some of us, we have the answer to that question. We know that, I should say, we know what to say verbally to answer that question. The problem is, is our lives are telling on us. Because for a lot of us, we won't sacrifice the time it takes to pursue the possibility to have open doors of, of, for God's word to have free course. A lot of us won't risk the possibility of the conversation getting a little awkward when we share our faith. So we already know the answer to the question of whether or not you'd be willing to face adversity in order for the word of the Lord to have free course in your life. Listen, until we reach the point in our lives where we can say, God, would you allow your word to have free course and be glorified and just please allow me to live long enough to finish my course. Until that's what's in our heart, until that's the overarching and the all-consuming passion of our lives, then quite simply God's word will never have free course and be glorified through our lives. Listen, at the rate that many of us are on, when we get to heaven, if God were to say, raise your hand if you're here because of him. Raise your hand if you're here because of her. We're going to be looking around frantic and panicked because we've got nothing to show for ourselves. We're going to be horrified. If someone were to come up to God after that and ask him, hey, God, you know, wow, I can't believe that there are believers in jesus christ who never took your word to anyone else they just pocketed it and they and they kept it what was it that stopped this individual from from ever from being used why weren't they able to reach more people i have a feeling that god's answer would simply be 
they never cared about what I cared about. They had plenty of care. They had plenty of care in other areas of their life. They cared a lot about what people thought of them. They cared a lot about making sure they got to the golf course. They cared a lot about their hobbies. Trust me, they cared a lot about their money. They cared a lot about being happy and making this life on earth their home. They just never cared about what I cared about. They never cared about my word having free course and being glorified and bringing worshipers into the kingdom. They never cared about that. Listen, if God's desires aren't your desires this morning, will you beg him to make it that way for you? Will you beg him to change your heart? Will you beg him to allow your life to be a life through which the word of the Lord has free course and is glorified regardless of the cost? Father, we, we love you, God. You have given us a purpose in this life, God. We can light a match to the rest of it. There, there's, eternity is at stake. Eternal souls are at stake, God. And I fear that we have gotten tangled up, God. We have let the affairs of this life entangle us. And God, I, I just pray that you would be stirring in people's hearts and lives this morning, that this would be a turning point, or maybe a point of recognizing that there needs to be a shift. There needs to be a heart change. God, you have, you, you've given this purpose you've given us, God. Man, it far exceeds anything that we could ever attain or achieve in this life. Everything in this life will disappear or be forgotten, God, but, it, but your word will remain true. The souls of men will spend eternity somewhere, and we're just asking you, God, could this be a group of people where we really see fruit bearing, where we really see your word have free course and be glorified through people's lives and come what may. Challenges may come, opposition may come, all of that may come, God. May we, may we be willing to sacrifice it all. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.